Hello, and welcome to the Bible Babbles podcast. We walk through the books of Scripture, account by account, learning practical and meaningful things for our everyday lives, while having fun the whole way through. This podcast is hosted by Carlos Farias and Brian Self, two assistant pastors from Washington State. We hope that this time in God's Word will be an encouragement to you. Let's jump right in. Well, welcome back to the Bible Babbles podcast. Uh, as always, I'm Carlos Farias. Wait, what? <laughs> Just wanted to make sure you were paying attention. Uh, we are going to be in Joshua chapter 9 today. And so uh, over these past couple of episodes, we've seen how the children of Israel, they go into the promised land, they recommit themselves to God, they take out Jericho, everything goes super great. They go to take Ai, everything turns out not super great. They get the sin out of the camp, and then it goes super great again. And uh, then at the very end of chapter 8, uh, Joshua builds an altar. They go over uh, the law of the Lord again, and uh, all of that goes pretty well. It's, it's a good day. Things are going great. Uh, they have... You know, they, they've read through Leviticus, they've read through Numbers, they've read through Deuteronomy again, and uh, we are here with Robert Elliott, the uh, most esteemed youth pastor at Moses Lake Baptist Church. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, so, all of these things are going pretty well for them, uh, but then they kind of get blindsided. Now, uh, Carlos, did you ever play football? I did play football. Did you ever get blindsided? I did. Did you ever blindside anyone else? Yes. Um, it what? hurts. What? How, that's that's <laughs> what I was going to ask. How does it feel to get blindsided? Um, well, you don't see it, hence why it's blindside. Exactly. But when you do it to someone, it's pretty nice. Yeah. You know, there's no opposition to it. Uh, and in Chapter 9... Um, the children of Israel really do get blindsided in a big way. Uh, I'll, I'll just jump into the story, and, uh, and we'll see what happens. Uh, it came to pass when all the kings that were on this side of Jordan, in the hills and in the lowland and on all the coasts of the great sea towards Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, all of the ites, uh, heard of it that they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. Uh, so, here you have one, two, three, four, five, six different nations uh, of these little mini-nations that have grouped together, and they're going to fight as one united front against Joshua and the Israelites, which... I would think is a great battle move because obviously, you know, all of these groups aren't aren't one group. It doesn't say, you know, and all of the Philistines or all of the, you know, whatever else. So it's all of these people that were in different separate groups are now uniting together. And uh, so now they have a much better chance than if it's Israel fighting each of these individual cities at one time. Um, they were big scared. They were big scared. I'd be big scared. Um, you know, these are a couple million people by most reckonings that have 
really been, uh, to borrow the, the phrase from the great theologian, taking care of business every day uh, for the past you know, 40 years, no one has, except for AI, has really defeated them in battle. Uh, when they were leaving Egypt, Egypt didn't defeat them. Instead, God, through the Red Sea, brought it in on them and destroyed a bunch of them. You think of, uh, you know, so many of the people that even tried to get prophets to curse Israel and they couldn't do it because they were God's chosen people. Uh, now they've been in the land and uh, the only reason that they lost one battle was because they didn't follow God. So... I'd be pretty scared too. But there was one group of people that I think are a bit smarter than some of the others. So here in verse number three, uh, we can see what these smarter people decided to do instead of uh, joining with everyone else and fighting. It says, But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and Ai, they did work craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors. And they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old and patched sandals upon their feet, and old garments upon themselves. And all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. It sounds, uh, well, obviously they have a whole disguise thing going here, like they're pretending to be uh, from a very, very far away place. Uh, as we'll see here in a second, um, they went all out. They did. I, I think about uh, us for VBS, and uh, you know we we put together some some foam stuff, some helmets, and we got some swords, and we have breastplates, and uh, do we have any other things? Shields. Shields. So we we did a little bit, but these guys went so far as to get old moldy bread. And uh, I don't know about you, but I can't really stand the smell of spoiled or, or moldy food. Um, this is commitment. You ever accidentally drink old milk? Oh, I feel like I have maybe once, but yuck. I don't want it. Nope. I don't. This is dedication. <laughs> yeah, this is dedication. These guys have got it. Uh, verse number six. And they went into Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said unto him and to the men of Israel... We have come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. Uh, so they come to Israel, and we're like, hey, we're from, we're from so far away. Like, you wouldn't even, they, they don't name a place here. They're not like, oh, yeah, we're from Mesopotamia. We're from Babylon. We're from Assyria. Uh, they're just like, we're from a far country. Like, super far. You wouldn't even believe how far we've come. They However, had 3,000 mile reward points on their donkeys. They did, they did. And they're like, now therefore, make a covenant with us. You know, make, make, make a league with us. Like, we know we're super far away, but we should team up. Uh, then the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, perhaps ye dwell among us. So how can we make a covenant with ye? Um, at first, the children of Israel are like, no, no, we, we think you're from here. Uh, but they said unto Joshua in verse number eight, we are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, who are ye and where do ye come from? So they said unto him from a very far country. Last time it was just, we've come from a far country. Now it's from a very far country. 
Uh, Thy servants have come because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did unto the two kings of the Amorites, which were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who was at Ashtaroth. Therefore, our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke unto us, saying, Take provisions with ye for the journey, and go to meet them, and say to them, We are thy servants, now therefore make a covenant with us. This bread of ours we took hot for our provision from our houses on the day when we departed to come unto you. But now, behold, it is dry and moldy, and these wineskins which we filled were new, and behold, they are torn, and these are garments, and our sandals have become old because of the very long journey. So here they have, they go to Joshua because the men of Israel were like, no, we think you're from here. And then they go to Joshua and they're like, no, not only are we from a far country, we're from a very far country. And this bread and uh, these wineskins, they were fresh when we got them and now they're all moldy and tattered. Um, And so if, if you're Joshua at this point, your men have already said, no, we think they're from here. These people have given you a story. What's, what's going through your mind? If I'm Joshua, I would be skeptical because we know that we're on the other side of the Jordan. Mm-hmm. There's uh, all these enemies that we're facing, and all of a sudden some friendly guys come up and say, yeah. Man, let's just be friends. Let's be partners. You never shake on it. <laughs> you, know, you, you should think about it and uh, you know, not take the deal right away. And if Joshua was doing what he knew he should do, he should, you know, hey, God, what do you think about these guys? Yeah, because in just the past couple chapters, uh, you know, before, before Jericho, he had talked to God. God had given him exactly the plan. Then he didn't talk to God before Ai, and they got absolutely demolished. And then when he talked to God, he gave him the perfect plan for AI, and they were able to win that fight. So, you know, obviously I'm, I'm human and flawed. If I was a perfect Brian, um, at this point, I would probably be thinking, hey, every time I talk to God, things turn out well. Every time I have not talked to God, things have not turned out well. Maybe I should do that. But uh, guess what Joshua did? He didn't. He didn't. Consult. (laughs) He did not. So, verse number 14, Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they asked not counsel of the Lord. Ah, man. Who could have seen it coming? (laughs) We did. did. Rewind 30 seconds. We called it. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them, that they should live, and the rulers of the congregation swore unto them. So Israel says, okay, we promise, you're our buddies now, we've made a covenant, we're not going to kill you. And it came to pass at the end of three days, after they had made a covenant with them, that they heard that they were their neighbors who dwelt near them. Um, how would you feel if you're Joshua, if you're one of the men of the congregation, uh, and you're like, oops. I probably feel like when you're on a ride and then you mm-hmm. go way up and then you go down and you're, you get that feeling right in your gut. It just drops like, Poof. I feel sick. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, uh, I feel like I'd be a little 
half upset, half impressed. I'm upset because they lied to me. I'm impressed because it was a very elaborate lie that uh, they tricked them. That initially the men of Israel said, no, you're probably from around here. But their, their setup, uh, their disguises were so elaborate that they did trick them. So I, I think I'd be a little impressed. Uh, verse number 17, Then the children of Israel journeyed and came unto their cities upon the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, Shephira, Beeroth, and kerjath Jirim. But the children of Israel had attacked not them, because the rulers of the congregation had sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel. And all the congregation complained against the rulers. Uh, this is just a tough spot. Um, have any thoughts on this particular verse? Uh, all I'm thinking is I, I don't want to be one of the rulers at this point. You know, they, they, made a, they made like a deal with them in the name of the Lord, but didn't even ask the Lord about it. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, we might talk about this at some point in the future, depending on if it comes up uh, in a thing, but oftentimes we have relegated taking the name of the Lord in vain to saying God's name either as an exclamation or a curse word, uh, someone, you know, saying the, the full phrase of OMG, or something like that, and we've said that that's all that uh, taking the name of the Lord in vain is. Uh, but really, here the children of Israel did take the name of the Lord in vain. That they said, "Okay, by by God, uh, on God, we are not going to hurt you. We're not going to harm you." But they didn't talk to God at all. So it was using God's name and invoking His power and His authority without actually hearing from him or communicating with him at all. And how, how could they say that they wouldn't hurt them if they know that they're supposed to be conquering all these people to take over the land? Well, remember, they came from a very far country. They were nowhere close, but make a covenant with us. Like, we're super far away. You're not supposed to destroy us, but make a covenant that you're not going to destroy us. For no reason. We just think maybe you're going to be super ambitious. Um, I don't know that they thought this through. So anyway, the congregation's mad at the rulers uh, because of this. Then all the rulers said unto all the congregation, We have sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel. Now therefore we may not touch them. This will we do unto them. We shall let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath which we swear to them. Uh, he says, they go, okay, well, we don't want this promise that we made before God, we don't want God to punish us for not keeping our oath. But the ruler said unto them, let them live, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers for all the congregation as the rulers had promised unto them. Then Joshua called for them and he spake to, unto them saying, why have ye deceived us saying we are very far from you when ye dwell near us? Now, therefore, ye are cursed, and none of you shall be freed from being slaves, woodcutters, and water carriers for the house of the Lord. So they answered Joshua and said, Because thy servants were clearly told that the Lord thy God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. 
Therefore, were we very much afraid uh, for our lives because of you and have done this thing. And now here we are in thy hands. Do unto us as seemeth good and right to do unto us. So we did unto them and delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel so that they did not kill them. And on that day, Joshua made them woodcutters and water carriers for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord in the place which he would choose even unto this day. Okay, that's chapter 9. The Gibeonites come. They say, hey, we're from a super far country, super far away from you guys. You guys aren't supposed to destroy us, but make a covenant with us that you won't hurt us and uh, we will also not hurt you, I suppose. Would be, uh, would be what a covenant would be. And uh, then they're like, cool, we'll do that. Uh, on God, we promise not to hurt you. And then all of a sudden they discover, oh, wait a second, these are people that are like super close by us. And then the, children, then the congregation's like, hey, what in the world? These are supposed to be our enemies that we're fighting. And then the rulers are like, hey, but we already promised that we wouldn't and we swore it by God. And we don't want God to be angry with us and punish us for not keeping our oath. And then Joshua's like, hey, Gibeonites, um, you lied. Why are you always lying? And uh, the Gibeonites are like, we were told that uh, God told Moses to wipe everyone out and we didn't want to be wiped out. And then Joshua's like, okay, but now you're going to cut wood and carry water in and out of the temple. Um, Sounds a whole lot better than dying. Yeah, I know. Like, I think it kind of, in a, in a weird way, this is almost a situation kind of like Rahab uh, that we saw earlier that her and her family had heard about what God had done and what God had commanded and promised. And they were like, we want to be on God's side. And uh, man, I, I think almost in this situation... Uh, obviously, Israel was at fault for not seeking God's face. It, it talks about that in the passage. Uh, but I see her also like the mercy and the love of God that not only did were the Gibeonites spared, that they weren't killed along with all of these other uh, peoples and nations, uh, but they also got to serve God in the tabernacle and eventually in the temple. And... Uh, I don't know. I, I just think that's a super, super cool thing that God had mercy even on these people that got there by lying and, uh, and all of that. Any, any thoughts on that? No, I like that thought, though, about uh, the mercy of God, just how we see it in Scripture and we can even see it in our own life. Yeah, that's great. Um, I do think uh, one thing for us to... Well, a couple things for us to remember. Number one, uh, as we go through the book of Joshua, uh, if you are with our church in the book of Judges, God is not interested in what he's been accused of sometimes as genocide of, oh, he just wanted all of these people groups destroyed. And uh, really it was, there had to be punishment for sin. And in these cases, it was national pervasive systemic sin uh, that was horrible and that people had known about God, had been worshiping God a couple hundred years prior, as we read about in the lifetime of Abraham, that there were Philistine kings 
that knew the Lord and knew what was right and uh, didn't even commit adultery. As opposed to now several generations later, you have uh, what was normal was child sacrifice, uh, was all sorts of sexual immorality, just terrible things that were taking place uh, in just a few hundred years. So there was God's punishment on evil that was taking place, but for everyone that repented, for everyone that wanted to be on God's side, uh, he had mercy for them. So whether it was Rahab the harlot and her family, whether it was the Gibeonites, as we'd learn about later, Ruth the Moabitess and her family, for all of these people, uh, God's mercy and forgiveness was there. Also, don't rush into decisions. Uh, I think we talked about this a bit the last time uh, when we were talking about AI. Um, don't rush into things without consulting God. Uh, what are some ways, obviously, we're not going to hear God verbally speak to us and be like, hey, Carlos, uh, I think you should buy this house on this street for this amount, and I want you to marry this woman with this name and uh, this much income. Um, I, I know how you are, and you would be like, oh, I feel like the Lord's telling me to marry someone rich. Uh, and <laughs> he, he might not ask you to do that, Carlos. Uh, he doesn't speak verbally to us. Um, well, he but did what, to me. <laughs> he did to you. Uh, what are some ways that, that we hear from God? Like when we're, when we're telling people, hey, you should be seeking the Lord, asking the Lord to speak to you. What are some ways that he speaks to us? First of all, through his word. And uh, when, you're reading, when you're reading his word and he speaks to you that way, you know, and uh, that's one way. And then another way is uh, through people that are older than you, maybe that have more experience in something than you. Uh, having a safety and a multitude of counselors. Yeah. God uses people in your life like that. And there's a reason, you know, why there are certain people in your life that will help guide you. And, you know, they maybe made that same decision and they, yeah. they'll tell you, like, what they experienced. But really, what you're, how you're going to know for sure if it's from God is if you have a close relationship with Him. Because mm -hmm. if you're just, you know, it's a shot in the dark, then you don't really know if it's of God. And, then if it's not, then you're getting yourself in a bad situation, and then you're kind of just in this, you know, bad cycle of, uh, you know, doing what I want. Oh, I should have asked God first. Now it's too late. Yeah, which is kind of what we saw the children of Israel yeah. doing with AI and then now with Gibeon. Um, yeah, I love that. Uh, so often we forget the way that God has told us in his word that he wants to equip the believers. Uh, he said that he gave pastors, evangelists, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Um, if you want to know kind of some of God's plans for you, and if you want to have, you know, clarity on, on decisions, it has to come from God. It has to be the Holy Spirit. It has to come from his word that you're not just thinking your own thoughts, but it's coming from the Bible and then run it through those in your life that would maybe fit some of those bills of pastors and teachers that would be able to help you to go, okay, well, I read in this morning, uh, I read this morning, Judas went and hung himself, and then I flipped over another couple pages, and then I read a verse that said, go and do that likewise. Is that what God wants me to do? And uh, the obvious answer would be no. That's obviously like a very wide uh, stretch. Most people wouldn't do that, but sometimes people do do that with the Bible, that they would read a verse uh, that 
has nothing to do with what they should be doing. And they're like, oh, huh, should I be fighting against all of these people groups? Am I being called into the military because of this? Uh, that has nothing to do with their with what God wants for their life, but they would maybe take something we would say out of context and, uh, and be thinking or doing that. So having a multitude of counselors helps with that, that you don't just pick something up out of, uh, you know, out of the blue or randomly out of scripture and then go, is this what I should be doing? And, uh, helpful. Probably best to go to someone to get an answer that you don't want to hear. Yes. Yes. Don't always just search out the people that you know are going to agree with you. Uh, look for people that will disagree with you. I think we talked about that way back when with Rehoboam and uh, the older men and the younger men and went to the older men and was like, yeah, I don't like that advice. I'm going to go yeah. with the young guys. Um, yeah. So don't make dumb decisions. Don't make hasty decisions. Instead, be in God's word and uh, have a multitude of counselors. Have several people that you would talk to and uh, put a high emphasis on spiritual counsel as well. That it wouldn't just be, oh yeah, so-and-so is my friend and I think they're going to tell me what I want to hear. Instead, go to the people that God has specifically put into your life to help grow and mature you. Any other thoughts? Find you your Paul. Find you your, wait, Paul? Timothy. Ah, ah, wait. I have many questions. Timothy, go find you yes. your Paul. They're, okay, I got it. I got it. Yep, find your mentors. You're Timothy. I'm Tim. Are you Paul? No, I'm Timothy. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. All right. Well, uh, look forward to being with you all again next week in chapter 10. And I, oh, actually, I do know what chapter 10 is. You have to come find out next week. You do week. have to come find out next week. You're not allowed to read in your Bible in Joshua <laughs> 10. You can't find out. Just kidding. You can but we will find you. Uh, Carlos will. I'm, I'm too lazy for that. Uh, but as always, if you have anything you'd like to hear from us, uh, please let us know. And as always, I've been Carlos Farias. And this is Brian Zelf. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>